Welcome to the Butterfly Broadcast, sharing stories of transformation after pregnancy and infant loss. I'm your host, Bailey DeMars. Speaking of transformations, this podcast is brought to you by perhaps the most transformative product that exists for your skin, Promycin, an acne treatment that actually works and fast. My cute husband has had acne since he was a teenager, and this summer he used Promycin, and for the first time ever, his back was clear. I'm not kidding. I saw a difference after one use, and five days later, the acne was gone. Promycin comes from the Cara Poloni skincare line, and I love and use all of her products, including micro needle powder cleanser, nano silver spray, healing facial serum, hydrating kiss mist spray, and their lip balm. My favorite part is that every ingredient is natural and supplied by the wholesaler Bulk Naturals. So get your skin transformation started at carapaloni.com or simply just Google Promyosin. Hello, welcome to the Butterfly Broadcast. I'm your host, Bailey DeMars. Today, we have a very lovely guest. We have Skylar Randall. She is calling from Texas, and I'm just so excited to have connected with her, get to know her story a little bit better. So let's just hear from herself. Hi, Skylar. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, I'm so good. So happy to connect with you. And let's give the listeners an opportunity to get to know you. So tell us a couple interesting things about yourself. Um, so I'm only 20. Um, I just recently graduated with my bachelor's in May. Um, and I'm still in school to get my master's right now. So, yeah. You're kidding. No. Did you graduate early or did you just pound through that bachelor's degree um i probably would say both like i graduated high school a year early and then i graduated for my bachelor's a year early too so you're amazing what did you study for your undergrad um criminal justice wow that must be fascinating yeah yeah definitely and what are you pursuing for your master's now Forensics Investigative Science. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> this is, you are like everybody's crime junkie. Yeah. Like everybody wants to be you. <laughs> yeah. All these podcasts, you know, all these TV shows, they're just, this is the career you are seeking. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yep. Oh, well, then you must be pretty smart to get everything done so fast. So way to go, girl. Um, Okay. And tell us a little bit about your family. So right now it is just me and my mom. Um, In 2021, my dad passed away um, unexpectedly. So it's been kind of rocky, I would say, ever since then. Um, And... Me and her have been kind of struggling a little bit, but we're making it, you know, <laughs> day by day. Yeah. Oh, man. I am so sorry for the loss of your father. That is extremely difficult. Yeah, it's okay. Thank you. 
Well, it's not okay. I'm so sorry. Well, it seems like, you know, you're here on the Butterfly Podcast, so you are not a stranger to loss. Um, let's hear about this journey of yours um, of losing a baby. If you want to start from the very beginning before that even happened. Okay, so um, like I said, 2021, I lost my dad and um, me and my dad are pretty close. I'd probably say he was my best friend. Um, so I kind of went downhill. I had been with my now ex-partner for a few months at that point. Um, we were doing pretty good. Um, so I was I was kind of spiraling, going downhill because um, I had just moved to Stephenville, Texas to get my bachelor's so I was only there for a few months and then everything happened and I moved back to help my mom so I've pretty you know I feel like everywhere ever since uh September of 21 um and then you know my relationship kind of got rockier I feel like emotions and grief and everything just gets in the way and you just you don't know what to do so um Nobody, I guess, really understands grief and nobody goes through it the same way. So it it makes it hard to communicate with a significant other every day what you're going through and why you feel like this and why you're angry and why you're sad. And so that kind of ended up taking a toll, um, sadly, on our relationship. Um, Then in 22 in August, we got pregnant. Um, our first doctor's appointment was October 3rd. And we went. Everything looked good. You know, we're happy. We It it wasn't planned, but it wasn't prevented. So, you know, thank God. And then everything's flowing. We, we don't have any problems. I, um, the first, the first, trimester I definitely slept a lot which I'm sure everyone (laughs) everyone understands that um yeah then we didn't have another doctor's appointment until December 21st of 22 so I was the first time mom I had no idea like if it the span was supposed to be that long or I don't know anything about it so I'm just thinking everything's normal um we go in there where like this is the day we were gonna find out the gender and we were gonna we were gonna end up doing a gender reveal party. Um and we're doing the ultrasound and our doctor is starting to look kind of funny and look at us and you know, we're like kinda of getting a little nervous but, you know, trying to stay calm and she's like doing a whole bunch of different tests and going up this side of my belly, then moving it to this side and, you know, doing everything but you know not not informing us of what is going on um and then um she finishes and she looks at us she's like well um I see two abnormal things um it looks like there's a band or some kind of string like around the baby and there's some like unexpected like kind of blotchy spots that she can't really tell like what's going on so I kind of start to freak out um and she goes out she comes back in probably like 
10, 15 minutes later, we're in here freaking out. And she's like, well, I got you an appointment with a maternal fetal doctor in Austin. And you have to be there at 8 a.m. tomorrow. And they're going to um, look at everything. So we're like, is it is it bad? Like, we had no idea. Because she had given us the option to do the... Um, I guess like the genetic test, um, pretty much the amnio, but like, um, I, we decided not to, cause we haven't, you know, on either side of our families, there's never, there hasn't been any issues. So we just decided not to. Um, and our first appointment when we got there that, that next day was pretty hectic. Um, obviously neither one of us got any sleep um stress just overtook us um we get there we meet the our our ultrasound tech was amazing we loved her our doctors were amazing um and she talked us through every single detail of everything she saw everything she was finding so it made us feel so much better and understand what was actually going on um she ended up saying the same thing that our OB said that she seen some kind of band or some kind of like long string of something that they weren't quite sure what it was. Um, so we keep on going and she's, you know, looking for every body part and everything. And there's a few things she can't find. Um, so we're kind of freaking out, you know, they're looking at her brain, they're saying her head, everything looks good. And then her belly is where the band is. So that's where everything starts to get kind of rough. And then everything under that, they can't really tell what's going on. So it was kind of like a, a major freak out. And we ended up having to um, go back like two weeks later, I believe. And they continued to to do the same thing. Everything started to get a little bit more clear once she started to get a little bit bigger. But I also had um, polydramnios, and I had I, they they told me I was carrying the weight, like the amniotic fluid amount for triplets at this point. So I was in extreme pain at this point, like. I cannot walk, I can't eat anything, I can't drink water, I can't, I couldn't do anything. I was just like in so much pain that it was unbearable, honestly, at a lot of the time. Um, and we get our actual doctor along with the sonographer, uh, sonographer, and she, they explained to us like they think that our daughter has um, this band around her belly and they can't find her bladder her both of her feet in the in the picture were clubbed to the left her hands were okay but one was like this and then another one she had that was kind of just like like the i love you sign in sign language and then her other one was just like closed real tight so we couldn't really, she had all her fingers, all her toes, everything was good. It was just, you know, um, everything was kind of off. Um, and then we going through everything, go back probably two weeks later, 
pretty much same story, no new information. And then we go right at the end of February, I'd probably say like the, around the 23rd. Um, and we got our last sonogram. Um, and we were getting set up for um, Baby Matters. It's a program that they have at this Austin hospital. Um, so it was it was actually really amazing. Um, that same day, we went over to the hospital and met with everyone, all the doctors there, and we looked at the NICUs and if she had to be care flooded from where we lived and everything was just, you know, crystal clear on how it would go and everybody was perfect. It, it, it made everything so much better knowing information that no one else could explain. Um, so after that day, we go back home. I had my birthday on March 3rd and that night I was so miserable. I, like it was a completely different type of miserable that I was going through. I I could never get comfortable, obviously, but that night it was like I was going from the couch to the bed to sitting up trying to sleep to laying on my side trying to sleep over the side of the couch going to sleep. Like it was nothing was working out for me. Um, I probably threw up about eight times that night. Um, couldn't drink any water could come right back up i didn't i didn't end up eating anything so um i was hungry and then on the 4th i woke up and i told my partner i said hey i think you ought to take me to the hospital because it's just like not it, this pain is not going away i can't do anything and well he drives me over there and we get there and the OB comes in and she checks me and she's like, oh yeah, you're, you're a two. You're already dilated to a two. And I was like, oh, oh, like, what do I do? Like, <laughs> I, I completely freaked out and I'm like, we didn't bring a bag. We didn't, we haven't called the hospital that she's supposed to be born in and everything. So I'm like, I'm having my partner takes his sister. I'm like, hey, can you send me this picture? from this paper from the hospital and you get this and can you get that and it it was a major freak out and I ended up being in Waco Texas um for probably a few hours and then they ended up calling the hospital in Austin and they flew over here um to Waco and they got me and they care flighted me back to Austin um and all of this, my partner, he's driving down I-35 as fast as he can to get to Austin from Waco. Um, and I, gosh, it was, it was scary. But at the time I was only, I had just turned 20 and I had no idea what was going on with me. Um, I was, I felt so like out of the loop. I guess you could say nobody, nobody could understand anything that I was going through. So it, it made it so much harder. Um, they ended up, we ended up getting there. They took me in the room, put me on the monitor. Um, everything's going fine. They ended up being able to give me something for the pain. So that 
helped me tremendously and um probably like all this was like early in the morning like this is probably like one o'clock I would say probably like seven they realized like I had way too much fluid and they ended up draining it off of my belly so I had to do another amnio um so that was crazy I I don't even I, I couldn't even remember who was in the room, the pain, or anything. All I know is they told me they drained off two liters of amniotic fluid. So when I came in back to it, I felt amazing. It was like, wow, this is what one baby feels like. Um, Oh, my goodness. And before she was born, they were already telling me she was she was three and a half pounds in February. So they were expecting her to be pretty big by the time we had her, and she's supposed to be due on May 16th. So we 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 had a lot going on, it seems like. We were in the hospital from, I got there on the 4th. I had, I ended up having her on the 8th that night at 7.05. Um, I'd done... I couldn't tell you how many tests in the hospital. I would probably say like a good 50 to 70 different tests while I was in there. Um, anything, everything ended up going good. And then on the 7th, they were like, um, everything's good. You know, um, we think y'all are going to have to stay here for another three months. Um, like be in the hospital for like three months um, straight. Nothing else. And we're like, okay, well, how do we pay our bills? Are we gonna get? A, are we gonna have to find online jobs? Or like, is my partner? Is he gonna have to work in Austin? Like, a, it it was a toll. It it took a huge toll on my mental capacity because I had no idea that all of this could go on during a pregnancy and. That was the night. The next morning, I woke up. I had done blood at 4 a.m., and they came in and probably 8.30, and she was like, have you eaten breakfast? And I was like, no, not yet. And she was like, well, we'll try to get you something because you have to have the baby today, randomly. And I freaked out. I was like, what do you mean I have to have her today? What's going on? What's What's happening? Well, you have severe, severe preeclampsia. And I couldn't tell you the amount of shock that has gone through my entire body at this point. Um, I'm calling my family. He's calling his family. We're just like, okay, well, we're having a baby today. Please be here. Uh, I eat breakfast, and then they move me to labor and delivery. and. I was there for some hours, and finally they took me back to the OR. I'd probably say at like six fifty or maybe six thirty. Um, and they were about to do like the epidural and everything, numb everything, and I almost passed. Like I, I kind of passed out. Like, as he was putting the epidural into my back, I, I pretty much, like, fell. So I was glad, like, the nurse caught me or whatever. But 
Um, then a few minutes later, they let my partner come in and he, he's sitting next to me. Everything's doing good. Um, the, the anesthesiologist is like walking us through like what's going on, where they are in the process. And she comes out at seven Oh five, but there's no crying. There's no, there's nothing. It's just a bunch of doctors that are running back and forth with her. And it, 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 I don't know. Um, I, we got probably two or three pictures of her right when they got her out. And that was it. Um, and I, they done everything with me. They took me to our room and, I couldn't see her until a day and a half later. So I was stuck in the bed this entire time. I couldn't see her. My partner, he ended up going to the NICU and he FaceTimed me and I was able to see her then. But it was it was pretty rough because I was I was trying to get to her and everybody that you can't go yet. You have to wait a few more hours. And it was it was hard. It it really was. I I couldn't even explain the amount of like stress and like crying the inside of my body was doing just because like I wanted to be there. Um so after that time was up, I got up and I walked and he ended up taking me up there in a wheelchair and I was in there all night, I would say. Um and from after that, everything seemed like it was going a thousand miles an hour. Um, it's we met at least fifteen doctors, I feel like, for her, and we have multiple doctors a day. We have different doctors doing different things coming in, and it it was overwhelming considering I was 20 and my partner was 22 at the time. So we are just, you know, trying to figure it out. We didn't think all this was, you know, possible, I guess. You never, you never know with pregnancy. Um, and so everything kind of came into play once we met her, like the band kind of made sense she had an infallible um so if you don't know what that means it means like her all her organs and stuff were on the outside of her body with like a with a lining on top of it um and her bladder was on the outside of her body split into two halves on the outside of her body which explains why they couldn't find her bladder um she did not have a butthole, so she was not able to poop or use the bathroom in any kind of way. Um, her feet were clubbed to the left, both feet. Um, she had an extra hole in her heart. And um, everything else seemed to be okay. I'm sure there's a million other things that were going on behind all of that. Um, they ended up telling us like the anomaly and the syndrome of what it was, and it's super, super rare. Um, it's called OEIS syndrome, 
if anybody wants to read up on it. It is very rare. They don't have any like research on it because of how rare it is. Um, I done genetic testing, nothing on me, nothing on my partner and our daughter. It just happened. You know, there was nothing at all. And I'd done two testings on her to see if there was any kind of chromosome that was off or anything. And no, it just happened. So from March 8th all the way until April 3rd, we were in the hospital. We had our same routine, get up at 9 or 10. Sometimes it was later because we we lose track of time. We didn't get enough sleep. Um, and at the at the beginning, we were staying in the hospital in a Ronald McDonald house. So it was rough. Um, we weren't weren't going to bed until one o'clock in the morning, getting back up at 10 or 11 and then sometimes be kind of upset at ourselves because we didn't get up sooner, you know, to be in the NICU with her longer. Um, but we hurry, get up there with her, stay up there with her pretty much the entire day, um, leave to get food one time, come back up. We're there the entire rest of the time. And it was pretty much like that for her entire life. Um, we were finally able, probably a week before she passed away, we were allowed to have our parents come in to see her. And they were the only people allowed to come see her. So um, we ended up surprising our moms first with it and telling them, you know, we acted like, hey, the doctors wanted to talk to us um, and wanted y'all there with us. But actually, we were just surprising them with the fact that they could meet her because they, they didn't think they would be able to. And we didn't think anybody would be able to. So they were pretty excited. Um, they were up there with her for a few hours. Um, so that was that was pretty great. Um, his um, parent, his other, um, his dad and his stepdad, they ended up coming also at a later time during the week. And they met her and everything was going really good. And um, I would say two days before he... Um, Finally, her dad finally got to hold her like after this entire time we hadn't been able to hold her or anything he got to hold her and she was with him for a few hours um no problems or nothing um and then we put her back in we done her touch time and she took a bath that night I believe and everything was good the next day I went in and I got her, I got to hold her, I got her out at 11, I would say, and I held her for hours, I would, probably until 5 or 6, and no problems, no heart rate drops, no nothing. Her machine didn't go off one time, she was great, you know, I played... I played music for her and we talked and we done, you know, 
we went to sleep and it was it was good um i put her back in there do her touch time the next day which is the day of um we get there and everything is going downhill it's like the machine's constantly going off they can't get her her heart rate back up this is dropping that's dropping this isn't working her medicine's not working now like nothing i was i didn't know what to do um and they're like so we need to know do y'all want to us to try to do treatment do y'all want us to not do treatment like what do y'all want to do we need to know kind of soon and it was hard unimaginably hard um a meeting that we had probably a, a week or two before that explained everything her life how her life would be um everything they told us everything to the t every single detail like she would have to have multiple surgeries a lot like a lot of surgeries she wouldn't be able to sit upright her whole life she we weren't unsure if she would be able to talk or not i don't know um she would have to have a bag to use the bathroom for both sides um so it we didn't want her to have to live a miserable life and as a parent that's the hardest thing to ever say i a lot of days i'm like man should we have what if we had just waited a little bit longer what if we had told them to go ahead and go through with it just do the treatment and my part my ex-partner will he'll still reassure me now like you know we did the right thing and she's okay she's in heaven she's having fun she's and i'm just sitting here and i'm like well like i really feel like my body failed me on my child and then now i'm having to make the hardest decision so that she doesn't live this terrible life be miserable be in pain because she was con she was on pain medicine the entire time she was in the hospital so you know going home it would be 10 times more and it would be rough she would have to have a special car seat that is like flat in the back seat that it, it lays down so she has to lay flat um it, it it was just so much and me and him come together and we make this heart breaking decision to let her decide to do her own thing and you know that that took a toll it was a it was the best decision but it it hurt um we we ended up having her once they took everything out and took all the tubes off of her we ended up having and holding her for some some hours and we got a a family um friend that owns a funeral home he came and got her so she was in good hands and 
every everyone tried to help you know keep us afloat that day but and every they wanted us to go eat and it's like I'm I'm looking at this food but like I just cannot eat this like I cannot I cannot eat anything right now my heart is broken 100 percent um so I'd probably say that's the longest um day of my entire life and everyone else ended up staying one more night to help us get all of our stuff back home and then I ended up we had to go to the hospital one more time to pick up all of her breast milk and um then we headed home and it was the longest most loving car ride home like I have never felt so um attached and loving to my partner in my whole life like I in our whole entire relationship it 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 it's a different type of love when you have to do something like that with somebody and at that point we had been together for two and a half years almost three years so it it was hard and we got home and we got in the house and got everything in everybody was kind and they helped us organize and get everything back on track because we hadn't been home in over a, a month and we just got into bed and we our schedules were so messed up for a month straight it seemed like we didn't go to bed until 4 a.m every day and then we slept until one and we got up and it was a rough situation I feel like my partner had a child so it it took a toll on me as a mom in the, in the mom aspect because it's like I don't want my daughter to be in heaven watching me thinking like what is my mom doing why is she parenting this other child you know so it it sadly made me turn on his son a little bit and look I love his son to death and I still love him and I I wish I could control my emotions from then and fix everything and it it was it was really hard and it it still is I don't there's a lot of things I don't do I I have friends that have kids I've never met neither one of them sadly and I don't go to baby showers I don't go to birthday parties for kids I don't I don't do anything anymore I it'll be it's almost a year and I haven't done anything I haven't had any interest to do anything I go to work and I come home and I get in the bed and that's it I I tried to, I've been trying to get closer to God, and and that's been good and helpful, but um, it still takes a toll on me every single day. I, um, at multiple times, I'm going to cry multiple times a day, I still do, and I mean, that's fine, but 
yeah, life now is upside down for me, and her dad and I aren't together anymore, so it makes it harder to grieve something when only the two of us were the only ones that went through it. Um, so, yeah, here I am now. <laughs> Skylar, thank you so much for sharing the most deep, darkest crevice of your heart. And I am just imagining the heartbreak that you feel every single day. And I feel like everything you explained, all these, like, these this aftermath of the guilt of the grief it all is valid yeah. like what you explained makes so much sense and and even if some of those things aren't true like you know your daughter isn't gonna feel betrayed by you going to support any other child but you feeling that way is completely valid it's just grief like you said is so messy and it is something we just can't understand completely but we just know every day is different and I'm just so grateful you were willing to share those nitty-gritty details about about that experience and um and your sweet little girl and her name is Maylee right it is I love that name. Thank you. And, and so, you know, like you said, you're a year out almost. What do you do to, to feel close to her? Do you have pictures that you have or, or little symbols that represent? Or what do you like to do to feel her close? Um... I keep a bear that they gave us her ashes in. I keep that with me in bed at all times. And um, I do little crafts and stuff for her. Um, for Christmas, I ended up doing like a Christmas card exchange with mm -hmm. a lot of different families and stuff. So that was fun. It kept me occupied and... um. It made me feel really good to do that. It and it's even though it had its exhaustion attached to it, right. um, I still did that, and it was fun and it was rough, but um, I loved it, and I I know she probably we would have had fun with her here. So, so this Christmas card exchange. You mentioned it was with other families. Have you been able to find a community of support, like other lost families or lost parents, to to try to get through this with? So I'd probably say a couple months after everything happened, I try. I turned to support groups, and I thought, you know, maybe this will help talking to other moms and dads and stuff that are going through this. Um, but it seemed like every time I went in it, I was way worse after than 
I felt better. So I, after a while, I stopped attending those, and I was I was on my own for a while. Um, I I did counseling my entire pregnancy, and I I still go to counseling, so I do that, and I speak with other moms, you know, and families on Facebook every now and then, and you know we get things and we exchange different you know things and symbols and love and stuff like that but other than that that's about it i don't um i'm in a i follow a few pages and stuff and i keep up with pages on instagram and i just you know i help other moms if they want someone to talk to and if they need to share their story or if they need to cry or whatever i'm here because i understand yeah boy do you understand i feel like you you went through so much for so long and it's not over because you're still you carry that with you and you are an incredible resource for help because you can relate to so many extremes because you went through something so extreme for your first time at such a young age and do you and and you're brave and for sharing your story like this so you know relatively soon after so I applaud you for having Mm -hmm. that courage and you know I think it's amazing that you're gonna have her story out there now for anyone to find and to seek solace in and and turn to you for strength and and just validation. So I really thank you for for sharing that. And um if if anybody, like you said, you like to talk to moms who need someone to talk to, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, uh, what would be the best way for them to contact you? Um, they could contact me on Instagram or Facebook. It is just my first and last name on both. And welcome to reach out whenever, whatever time, doesn't matter. And I'm here. You, you are amazing. And, and not just because you have to be strong or anything, but I just... I'm very impressed with the way you're carrying yourself and and the love that you can hear in your voice for your sweet girl. And I'm curious, if you were to give advice to somebody who maybe loses a baby in a way similar to you from some fluke, random genetic abnormality mm-hmm. what would that advice be that you would give someone going through that um i would probably say don't be afraid to ask any questions to any doctors if you don't know ask because there's going to come a time where you're sitting in your bed or you're sitting in your car and you're sobbing and you stop and you're like well, I wonder what this meant, and I wonder what that meant, and why didn't I ask about this? And You're going to question a lot of stuff. So I would say that, and I would say cry when you're going to cry. Don't hold it in. Just cry. 
And if you need someone to call and cry to, well, I'm here. So just let it out because it's normal. Like, it's grief. And you have to go through it to get through it sometimes. So, yeah. I think that's excellent advice because, you know, we are not medically trained majority of us are not medically trained doctors and right and like you said there are a lot of things even the doctors don't understand and so there's no dumb questions especially when it comes to your child you don't want to live with not at all you don't want to live with regret like you said of not having answers and and like you have pointed out it's hard to feel responsible even though you're not responsible your body isn't responsible but as many questions as you can ask and it's probably going to help you have that peace of mind or or just closure yeah definitely and then the second thing you said is just to cry I really like that because everyone's timetable is different there's no race to get over anything like Mm -hmm. especially child and so you just feel the emotions as they come I'm really glad you said that well I I just feel so much so much love for your sweet little Maylee and her pure Mm. pure life that she had and the time that you got to spend with her and how hard that must have been so I really am so grateful that you allowed us to get to know her today so thank you so much thank you all for the support and all the other moms that are going through this similar thing thanks for sharing your story because it definitely helps right like those two stories are alike but you just find truth in what others say and and no, yeah. you're not alone. It goes so far to know that. Yeah. Well, you are doing great things, pursuing your education, working, and just surviving. So you should be very proud of yourself <laughs> for just making it yeah. another day. Well, you and I will be in contact. I will include all this information of contact info in the description so that people can have the pleasure of meeting you like I've had today and again thank you so much Skylar for your vulnerability and and sharing your story of of transformation so thank you thank you for having me okay you take care Thanks, you too.